0: Welcome to the Questions of Faith podcast. I'm Brad Stevens here with Dr. Timothy Larito, And today we have a special episode about the importance of revival. The question that's been asked is, why is
1: revival necessary? The word revival comes from the Latin word revival, meaning life, and the prefix re meaning again. So in its basic definition, revival is about a renewing of life. Vance Havner once said, a revival is the church falling in love with Jesus Christ all over again. But if I already love Jesus, why is revival necessary? In this episode, we were going to be talking with Reverend Zane Estes. Uh, Brother Zane has been a full-time evangelist for over 20 years. And he has traveled extensively throughout North America and many countries around the world preaching uh, and encouraging the church to seek for revival. Zane is a graduate of Southwestern Assembly of God University, where he earned a Master's of Arts in Biblical Theology. Welcome to the Questions of Faith podcast, Brother Zane. We're glad you're here today.
2: Hey, thanks, guys. I'm glad to be on board with you.
1: Yeah. Before we uh, dive into this episode, we'd uh, like to uh, just take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience.
2: Uh, I I, I appreciate the pre-introduction that you already gave us there. Um, We have been a full-time evangelist for over uh, 20 years. My wife, Erica, I have four daughters, Savannah, Ashlyn, Annalise, and Shay. And as uh, Dr. Laredo has already said, we travel extensively throughout the United States, um, anywhere from Northeast Maryland all the way to Western Montana, from Great Lakes to the Gulf Coast. And I'm so honored and humbled. There's so many great men out there, and they've been so kind to open their doors to us, to allow us to come by and just pray alongside them and really seek God for them and with them, that revival would come to their churches. Not only are we full-time evangelists here, as, as you've said, we've do a good bit of missions work overseas as well. And I really, I guess my, my forte, what I love is being able to come alongside those, those foreign leaders and pastors and try to do all that I can just to, to pour into them, to give them anything I can put into their hands so they can turn around, run with it,
0: do it better and uh let God's kingdom
2: advance. So, uh,
0: that's that's where we are well um, uh, so good to have you here on the podcast and before we get into the first official question I know that you mentioned you have four daughters and I myself we just had Lillian five months ago and so I am brand new into this world do you have any words of wisdom for me I heard you say four dollars I can't even imagine that so um, uh, for me starting out as a dad uh, what would you tell me
2: well now Lillian um, that's a little girl so uh, if you're a dad of girls I, I can assure you this every day is gonna have a little touch of drama just go with it. You know what I'm saying? It's not that Absolutely. big of a deal. Just take a deep breath and you'll survive. Hey, uh, but it's I will. I, I, I'm so glad I've got all girls and
0: I, it, it's wonderful. I don't I don't mind being a girl dad. You know, hey, it's great. Well, that's awesome. Well, jumping on into the official first question, um, using the Bible as our guide for faith and practice, what are some biblical principles for why we should view revival as necessary? Okay,
2: Brad, that's a, that's a great question. And I think that's a very needed question. Very fair question. Uh, if I could try to center it simply in a in a biblical passage or setting, the one that immediately comes to my mind would be in the book of Acts, where we we see Paul's ministry and he's he's there with Barnabas, and I think it's about chapter fifteen, where he looks at Barnabas and, and he says, "Hey, let's go again and visit the brethren in every city where we've already preached and see how they do." So I think that's, you know, Acts 15. And, uh, mm-hmm. so, so I, you know, I'll, I'll ask you and I'll, I'll even ask our audience today, why would Paul say such a thing to Barnabas? Knowing they've already been there, you I mean, what does the sage apostle know that perhaps we can pick up on? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would, I would simply introduce this idea. Now, now I have, I, I've, I've taught this, whether it be in, United States or from overseas in and in a, in a Bible school setting. In fact, if there's former students listening in today, they're saying, oh, yeah, okay, that's that's classic Estes right there. This is a phrase that I use often. OK, now, now, now please put this in your heart. The enemy of knowing is learning. Hmm. The enemy of accomplishment. Man by nature has this tendency to slow down. Once he feels like he has reached a mark or a goal or a pinnacle of anything, and God, in His wisdom, Brad, God in His wisdom knows that it's good for an outside voice to simply come alongside us and show us things that perhaps we don't even see ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's uh, so good. Yeah, I, you know, I think of it, you know, from a pastoral perspective, you know, we have uh, an evangelist come in or uh, revival. And they'll preach a message or preach on a theme that that was preached two weeks ago, (laughs) (laughs) right? And but people respond to that different voice. To that different voice, exactly. Well, we
2: all, every one of us, and 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 by the way, you know, evangelist included. Okay, we all have blind spots. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, it's rather arrogant to to pretend like we don't. I mean, they're not discovery spots. We would we'd have seen them. Mm -hmm. I've been at churches, okay, and I've been there. And like, there's this cobweb hanging from a chandelier. I go back the next year and this cobweb is still there. And now I say that because I remember one year at our home church, I was just happened to be home the week that our home church was in revival. And the evangelist gets behind the pulpit. And honestly, he looks, he says, church, do you realize there's a cobweb that's been hanging from your chandelier for over a year now? And I'm sitting there going, how come he saw that? And I didn't. Mm-hmm. But when I go to a different church, I can see things that they don't.
1: Sure, Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah so, and especially you know the, from a spiritual perspective, I think that's really key. Uh, pointing out the need for revival, you know, the, the the evangelist is able to point out spiritual things that uh, maybe the church is not aware of that they have blind spots spiritually that they need uh, to be uh, revived in and to allow the Spirit of God to work in in the church in that way.
2: Exactly, Doctor Rito. Exactly. I mean, historically speaking, whenever that evangelist dies from the movement, the movement itself dies. Mm. Now, that's no feather in the hat because there's, I mean, there's a place for everybody in in, in the sure. Body of Christ, and it's all needed. But to to simply answer answer your question, Brad, I think if if I were to simply say this, first of all, because of our tendency to overlook things, we need revival. It's natural for dust to settle. There has to be an outside voice. Every so often just come in and, and with love, come alongside us and, and try to bring us back to that, to, to that, that first love. If I could if I could go on from that point, I would I would say that uh secondly, and and, and this is found over there in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter two, verse number one. Let me just read a couple of verses here for you guys. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Verse three says, "How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation?" If, if you were to go back and then biblically begin to study out what the writer of Hebrews is speaking of here in the book of uh, in second chapter, it's it's an interesting picture because it's a scene from a sea. Though that's a phrase that that a sailor would use when bringing his ship into the harbor because it's a, it's a difficult thing because the water is always drifting back and forth.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: the writer of Hebrews sees it and he says, listen, it's easy to drift. It's mm-hmm. easy to drift. So my yeah. simple answer, my, you know, this is a simple, I'd hate to have the complex. The simple answer is simply this because of our tendency to overlook in our tendency to drift we
1: yeah. have to. yeah I, I just coming to my mind there at revelation uh where the writer's talking about you know you have a form of the fact that you are alive but you are actually dead <laughs> like you have this this outward appearance that that things are there's life um right. but really what you need is revival you need a newness of life uh, and so but that was unaware to their conscious until uh, until the uh, you know evangelist John tells them, "Hey, look, you are dead, and you need life." Amen, amen. So, uh, having traveled extensively throughout the United States and many foreign countries, you know, preaching in churches of various denominations and fellowship groups, what do you see as some of the inhibitors to? revival uh, specifically uh, let's talk within the North American church because that's where most of our audience is uh, what do you see there
2: whether it's North America or or, or Europe South America wherever it may be if, if I could if I could condense it down to one word if I were if you were to ask me what is the what is the probably the the greatest factor that that we're seeing um, l- let me let me just interject this apathy.
1: Mm.
2: We we're not okay. We're not dealing with bank robbers, we're not dealing with murderers for the most part. We're dealing with a society that just doesn't
1: care. Mm-hmm.
2: If you were to ask me what is our greatest inhibitor to revival is good people that shrug their shoulders in the face of a great god. Mm i I we, we okay if if i if I could say if if there's something that we we seem to be lacking in our church if if I could say this, it is passion, it's absolute passion we don't we don't uh okay we 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 love things that are good, great, but we don't hate things that are bad, we don't do that, yeah okay remember the psalmist said, thou hast loved righteousness, thou hast hated iniquity, we love it when there's a great service. Let me ask you this question, and guys that are listening as well. Not just do you love when you have a great service. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you hate it when it's a dead service? Do you hate it when people walk in bound and leave bound? Is there mm-hmm. anything left inside of you that says, man, I can't take that? Most people love to see great things happen in church, but they could care less if nothing happens in church. And there seems to be, and I think, I think our audience can, 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 can verify this and they've seen this and, and mercy knows perhaps all of us are guilty of this at times in our own life where it's just more of a ho hum religion. If it happens good, if it doesn't happen, it's not good. And that, that cannot, that cannot be. I actually, if you, I actually, I wrote this down, I wrote this down years ago. I can't, I can't remember, can't remember who said it and I don't know. But in any case, you know, I mean, young guy and I mean, you just, I'm always filing stuff. So. Uh, one person said it like this, people backslide because they forget what it was like to be lost. Worship mm-hmm. becomes common and study becomes optional. Satan fills their heart with boredom and covers the cross with dust. People grow accustomed to prayer, so they stop praying. Satan infiltrates their homes, turns a night out with loved ones for an evening in the recliner. You may not take your children, he writes but he'll make you too busy to notice them. He whispers to procrastinate. He always says there's next summer, next month. Hence, stories go unread, games go unplayed, hearts unnoticed, and opportunities unredeemed. I wonder how many times that fits into art services. Brad and and Timothy and whoever else is listening out there I wonder how many times we've walked in, and, and whether we really want to admit it or not, it's just kind of a check-in and check-out. I'll, I'll say mm-hmm. this to you, good man. Anytime, anytime service becomes duty and not delight, we have lost our first love. Does that make sense?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Good.
2: That's, and, that's- there, there has to be this. There has to be this desire inside of us that says, God, I want to love the good, but Lord, also let me hate the bad because that's the only way passion – that's the only way passion it, it begins to spark inside of a, of a life, the mixture of both what person loves and what person hates.
1: God yeah, help us return to that, that. That's so good, you know. and I think honestly if we look at the uh, American church where it's at right now it's not that they don't love God, it's that they also love the world and the things oh, of the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem is that they're wanting to mix a love for God and a love for the world. And obviously we know, you know, scripture, First John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the, the world. Um, because the love of the Father is not in you if you love those things. And so it's this... this um, it's this attempt by modern Christianity uh, to to try to mix loves, and leading to our passions being all over the place, and really hindering us in our pursuit of loving the things that God loves and hating the things that God hates. And man, that's that's such a great observation that you you point out there.
2: I I, I remember years ago, I was in the country of Uganda. I believe it was northern Uganda. And of course we had a minister's meeting there and there were, there were hundreds of, 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 uh, of Ugandan pastors that were there. Well, there was a, there was a young man and he was, he was to my left. And, and he was a jumper. I mean, every song he's, he's just jumping straight up and down, just jumping, jumping, fast song. He's jumping slow song. He's jumping. You know, well, well, you know, I mean, a- after, after the service, I just, I kind of smiled, you know, I patted him on the shoulder and I said, wow. I said, boy, the, the jumper got a hold of you today, didn't he? <laughs> you know, He looks back at me and, uh, and he says, uh, before I came to this meeting, he says, the Muslims came and they raided my village and they began to shoot. Mm. And he said, all we can do is run. And he tells me, he says, my, my best friend, he said, they shoot him and he dies. He said, but, but I live. And he smiles at me and he said, and God saw fit for me to live long enough to come to this meeting. And oh
0: man. Oh, Oh, what a
2: gut punch when I think, you know, there's a reason people don't worship because they don't, they've never been shot at by the devil. No wonder, huh? Uh, Yeah. But for the rest of them, you know, that's like, man, you don't know where he brought me from. Mm -hmm. You don't know what he brought me out of. You know, there's, there's a passion that's there because they know they've been forgiven for much and that, and, 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 and they don't want to, they don't want to lose that. And and God forbid that any of us lose that. I I, I remind you, good men, that in, in Thessalonica, Paul is mobbed and we still have a church planted. In Philippi, he's beaten and we still have a church planted. In Jerusalem, he's torn by a mob. We still have a church planted. But there's one place in all of Paul's journeys that we never hear of a church that's planted. And it's in Athens, Greece. And it's because all those guys look around and shrug their shoulders and say, "Eh, we'll hear more about it later. Mm-hmm. Listen, man, mobs don't stop this gospel. Apathy does.
0: powerful and challenging Um, reverend zane i've I've been told that you are one who appreciates and knows church history so how do we honor and learn from the revivals of the past while at the same time not living in the past but contending for present day revival
2: um Brad, brad when we speak of learning in fact i was speaking to a young man just yesterday when it when we learn we basically learn two ways we either learn from our mistakes or we we learn from others' mistakes. That's how we learn. We we see people that are not doing it right or venture off into yes. one way or another, and that's that's kind of what we learn from. Uh, and if there's anything we've learned from church history, without trying to pick one in particular revival or movement or whatever may have been there historically speaking, I think I can say this as a whole, we we tend to forget that uh we tend to forget that the devil is not our only enemy. As Dr. Laredo just said, okay, love not the world. The world is not a misunderstood friend. We are to reach out and love, but remember the culture, the understanding, the mindset, the value is still antithetical to Christian living. Mm -hmm. And perhaps there's a, undoubtedly, there's a third enemy that we often overlook. It's not the world. It's not the devil. It's ourselves. It's the flesh. It's that old nature. Here's what I have seen that is hindered stopped revivals over and over. It's a little thing called pride. God does use men. God used men greatly. And somehow or another men cannot handle that. And men that were once used greatly now fall horribly. When I was in my undergraduate work, uh, there was I had I had a hallmate down down the hallway from me. His name was John. He was a great guy, I mean, Texan. I mean, full blown Texas accent. I loved it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he 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 had this book, and it was it it, it was referring to like to all the the nineteen thirties, forties, and fifties. Uh, uh, and and I use this word as an umbrella term. Okay, please don't misunderstand me when I say like charismatic, mm-hmm. in, in the sense that they believed in gifts of the spirit. Okay, so you, sure. I'm on the same page with you. With that okay, great. Right. So. Over and over again, it spoke about their their various ministries. It was kind of a short, you know, biography of each of them, not all of them, but most of them. Spin off into fanaticism, go just absolute left-wing, doctrinally, you name it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And in, in that book, the author begins to tie it back over and over again to these men seeing themselves on television. Now, understand the day and the hour. I mean, it's not like they have cell phones in their hands. They they don't take pictures and send. I mean, so so this is so such an aha moment for them to see themselves. And there's something Mm -hmm. about that old nature. It can only take so much praise, huh? Mm -hmm. And, And I think there's there seems to be this tendency in our own our own lives where I, I heard one old saying to God, oh, what a great way she prayed it. I, she lays her hands on this young preacher. I, I hear her say it and I said, oh, Father, please, Lord, apply that to me as well. She lays her hands on this young preacher. She says, Father, give him enough victories to keep him going and give him um, enough defeats to keep him humble. Mm, wow. <laughs> Listen, wow. I, I'm telling so you, man, good. I've seen this over and over and okay, maybe not even so much in American, but I've seen this in Africa where men that I love, men that I respected, God began to use, things began to grow. And before you know it, it's this unholy trinity of me, myself,
0: Mm -hmm. and I. Mm -hmm.
2: Please God help us to stay humble when God does is Isn't
1: that what God through the prophet Samuel told Saul, you know, when you were little in your own eyes, <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. I could use you. Um, and, but now that it's become all about Saul, uh, you know, the kingdom is going to be ripped from your hands and man, that's so, so good uh, along those, that vein uh, thinking about, you know, revivals of the past, um, you know, when you're talking about pride what about uh, – talk to us about like having pride in our past revivals, like pride in our past moves of God. Well, in, anytime we, we
2: we view it as a high watermark, uh, we tend to, to set the bar lower. We subconsciously mm. say to ourselves, those were the good old days and will never be any better than that, and we are self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Uh, I had, had an old professor say to me one time, he said, follow the pattern Estes. It's always this. It begins with a man. The man becomes a movement. The movement becomes a machine. Mm -hmm. Machine becomes a monument.
1: Mm.
2: Follow the pattern. The man, the movement, the machine, the monument. We were, uh, we, we were down in oh, South Kentucky a few years ago, and uh, and, and uh, it was, it's kind of where the Cane the Ridge revivals were based, where we kind of get the modern concept of a camp meeting, where you have day speakers, night speakers, and people just, mm-hmm. you know, they camp out there. That was the old-fashioned camp meeting. That's where that was birthed. Well, obviously, you know, it was a movement, a machine. Uh, you walk in there today, it's a museum. Mm. There's pictures behind glass. There's little letters that were written. It's beautiful. It's kind. Nice. Dead. Dead. I think our biggest challenge is what, what do we do when we start seeing you know, the movement become a machine? What do we do to stay humble and not fall into the same category of embracing a monument? Because it gets rigid. It gets cold. We codify our beliefs in the sense that we're going to make our little circle and anybody outside that circle, you know, is, is, is excommunicated. And it and it's always, always death to revival. In fact, if, if, if I could say this, okay, Jesus, Jesus turns around and, and you remember there in John, he says, the hour comes now is true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Okay. Timothy, we, we seem to fall into one of these two ditches. Now understand, truth, thy word is truth. Yes, we need the word, but there has to also be spirit. There has to be word, there has to be spirit, there has to be both.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why is it there, there's always this tendency to run to one side and leave the other undone? Show me a church. Mm-hmm. They have the letter of the law. If they desire no spirit, I'll show you a church that falls into formalism, mm-hmm. absolute formalism. Show me a church that praise God. They believe in a move of the spirit, but they never get around to the word. I'll show you fanaticism mm-hmm. every time. All it is, is, well, we've come to have a three point Bible study tonight. Uh, we'll be studying the Greek words from the lexicon created in such and such. Okay, fine. You've had head knowledge, but you've never really let that touch your spirit. That's good. But the letter alone kills. That's right. formalism. What do we do to stay in between those two ditches? That's a challenge that I constantly fight.
1: That's that's so true, and is a is a warning for us uh, as uh, individuals, and also as uh, you know, a part of a church, part of the church, to recognize uh, that that we have a part to play in. In making sure we don't get into either one of those ditches,
2: it, it, exactly. About an hour south of us is uh, where we live in Kentucky, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Uh, a good hour south is uh, a place called the Shaker Museum.
1: Mm-hmm. The
2: Shakers, I don't know. If, of course, you men yeah. know, and that's mm-hmm. what a lot of your listening audience would remember. I mean, they they they, they receive their name literally from where they would seek God and shake under the power of God. Now, now, right. in these people are sincere. I have no doubt they're sincere. But remember, they they also teach this extra biblical, you know, understanding of, of abstinence to the point where married men and women now live in separate housing units. Well, hello, their movement dies. I mean, there's no babies mm-hmm. to raise up. That's pretty much a given.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: if you go there today, they they literally have this little place you walk into and someone comes out and, they're, you know, and and they, they, Spin around in a little circle and dance. And then they'll say, and then you would have heard this. And they have this person mocking, you know, speaking in tongues. And, and it, it, it now for a full gospel believer, it, it turns your stomach. When it's all said and done, other people that are there just kind of clap because it's a show.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But there's this, there's this eerie gut feeling down on the inside that are you telling me in 80 years from now, they may be walking into our churches and saying, this is what you would have heard mm-hmm. back then.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then people clap, and the lights turn off, and we leave. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's a it, – uh, the church – while the church will always go on, uh, it's up to every generation to pursue after a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. And we're responsible to our generation for uh, seeking for a, a move of God, for revival, for fresh life. Of the spirit in our uh, our personal life and in our churches. So let me ask you. Uh, so you know, while we've talked about you know the Bible and church history, it it, it we see so many benefits from uh, people who seek for revival, pray for revival, but also we recognize that there are sacrifices associated with seeking for revival. Um, we've kind of hinted on a few of them, but maybe, maybe walk through, uh, this reality of if we're going to have uh, a revival, we're going to have fresh life in our personal life and in our churches that doesn't come without a cost. So, uh, talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Amen. Uh, yay. And amen. It doesn't come without a cost. Uh, I, I remember years ago, uh, Dr. Clendenin told me he was coming back from the overseas somewhere he's crossing the Atlantic and he was of course if you ever knew him he'd always be writing things down on that that airplane and then he would take a little nap and get back up and write some more in any case he came to the place where he said I was going to lay down recline that seat a little and just rest my eyes for a moment I was exhausted and he said when he began to drift off to sleep he said I heard a voice simply ask him a question and said who is your god he said, I heard it so real and so clear that I honestly thought it was someone that was sitting beside me. He said, I immediately leaned forward, opened my eyes. And I said, the Lord God, he's my God. And then I realized there wasn't anyone sitting beside me. He said, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And The Lord said to him, how do you know that? Your mouth says a lot of things your heart doesn't believe. He mm. said, I immediately began to cry out and said, oh, father, how can I know who really is my God? He said, the Lord spoke to him and said this, a man will always sacrifice for his God. So Mm. now the question comes to you and me, what are we truly sacrificing for? If revival does anything to us, it turns a spotlight number one on ourselves. I know because there's been kind of this misunderstanding and that's why I... In fact, I, I told I told Dr. Laredo, I don't I don't consider myself a good modern day evangelist because that that word is, seems to be so misunderstood where we sure. created an environment where people are just supposed to rush down to the front and start, you know, shouting, I receive, I receive. But honestly, biblically, historically, revival doesn't normally start with people rushing to a front shouting, I receive. Most of the time they run to the front and cry, I repent. Yes, yes, yes. If revival does anything, the sacrifice that it makes is it, it makes us look at ourself and say, Father, how much of me is really left on the throne compared to what you are? Um, it was C.S. Lewis, I believe, he said there's two types of people in this world. One that says, not my will, but thine be done. And the other says, not thy will, but mine be done.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And revival once again pulls us back to that reality. That we're a lot more self-centered than what we, we want to admit that we are. And that's a difficult place to come, especially in, in such a user-friendly world, especially in such a, you know, if it, if it doesn't work out here, we'll just go down the road and there's a, there's another church that, you know, pat you on the back and, and, and tell you everything's fine. But, you know, you, you, you would rather, you would rather have a man tell you the truth that hurts and later heals than a man tell you a lie that comforts and later kills. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. You know, it's that, that, that I think that is one of the greatest sacrifices is are we willing to really look at our own selves, and even to the place where not only boy, now this is a big one, boy. You don't hear this anymore. Not only do I need to make things right with God, heaven forbid, do I need to make things right with someone
1: else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you're really nailing uh, the head on this idea that sacrificing really its core has to do with self oh, sacrificing of self yes and you know uh, we we'll, we're all it's all true it's true of all of us but tim's biggest problem is tim right <laughs> i mean like like it's itself and you know the, the, that prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden, "Not my will, but thine be done, This sacrificing of self, that humbling self and becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Christ giving us this example of that you know, our lives are to be ones in which we're sacrificing self. And man, that goes so against the grain of our current culture uh and so much against honestly frankly i mean a lot of the people listening to this podcast they're they're in the younger age group and you know as a younger generation to recognize that we've got to die to self if we're going to have a move of god it's it's only going to be because we died to self and man that is a challenge that that we all need to not only hear but not just be hearers of that word, but to be doers of that. Reverend
0: Zane, in conclusion today, what would your appeal be to the person listening who wants to experience revival, both personally and in their church? If you had their ear, what would you say to them?
2: Again, great question. Great question, Brad. Um, I, I, I would I would say this. Um, okay, when when we say church, how can I personally? Or how, how can my church have revival? How can the church have revival? We say the word church and we say one thing and, and unfortunately, perhaps we mean another. And, and, and please hear me out when I when I say this. We say the word church and, and what we're really saying, we're saying that with a capital C. Church, sure. universal, timeless and eternal, terrible as an army with banners, you know, destined to sit in high and heavenly places. Dun, dun, dun. That's great. But the problem with that is this, that church has never once had communion together.
1: Mm-hmm. They've
2: never mm-hmm. sat down and sang together. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's it's real and it thank God one day. But when we talk about how is our church going to have revival, we say it with a capital C, forgetting that that capital C is made up of a whole lot of lowercase C's. Mm-hmm. That's me. That's you. The tendency is to say, Man, the church needs to reach the lost. The church needs to come back to prayer. The church needs to come back to see. Rather than saying, "Man, that's me, that's me," not right. capitals, e little kc. So rather than me going around saying, "Man, uh, uh, this person needs to do this. This person needs," to, what can I do to really get along with God and say, "Father, if there's anything in my life, please show me." And give me the the desire and the dynamics to change and come closer to you. Now, if, if if I could put scripture to this. And the other day, I just I just I just come to the scripture and I just wrote a few words beside it. And and maybe your listening audience can, and, you know, just take a minute and, and write down these write down these words. Let, let, let me read this to you. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I do. I'll, I'll read the verse and I'll say the word and then I'll, I'll just try to go back and read it again quickly just to kind of. Sum it up there, but it's found there in Psalms 119. It begins in verse number 10. It says, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. And by that, I would put this word, dedication. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. By that, memorization. Verse 12, blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes, fortification. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Verbalization. Verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Concentration. I will meditate in thy precepts. I have respect unto thy ways. Meditation. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Consecration. Now you put these together. Dedication, memorization, fortification, verbalization, concentration, meditation, consecration. I believe if we put those together, you as an individual, me, we can have revival. We can have personal revival. And those little C's can come together and we can see the capital C really do something in this generation that will last for eternity.
1: Hmm. It's so good, and helping us to recognize that this this revival, you know, is is something that it it always begins in the individual. It always begins with me. It always begins with you listening. Uh, uh, You know, it's it's not something that uh, while we want to push it off to somebody else, to another time, to another season, to another person. it's 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 me like it's it's all about recognizing my need and and then from that my motivation being that i'm not seeking revival just for you know fame as you mentioned earlier or to you know for what may come of that personally but it's about that relationship with god uh, as you you know you mentioned memorization his his word knowing his word and knowing him and walking in his precepts and and following after him that's the motivation that's the why because if your motivation for seeking revival is uh, outward it's others it's going to eventually die right your motivation is going to be uh, it's not going to last but if the motivation is I want to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength, and I want to love my neighbor as myself, that motivation lasts a lot longer than, than a motivation that is uh, more uh, you know, people-centered uh, or for the appeal of men. That's so well, good. Well, in that verse you just said, you focused on yourself first, mm. and then you love
0: your neighbor as yourself. Sure. Amen. So yeah. that, that back and forth will go. Yeah. You, 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 you,
2: never, you never read. You never read of, of a Jebusite strong enough to bind the hand of, of Jehovah Jireh. You, you, you never read of, of any Canaanite clever enough to, to stop the ways of God. The only mm-hmm. time God stops moving, it's never something on the outside. It's always something on the inside. That's mm-hmm. why I stress this self-reflection. That's why I stress this, this need to get alone with God and say, Father, deal with me first and foremost
1: yeah yeah that that famous verse that we quote all the time from second chronicles 7:14 if my people right? right which are called by my name will humble themselves we talked about pride earlier and pray seek my face and turn from their wicked ways like repentance yeah, repent. humility uh, if if we will do that then there's blessings of revival that flow from then that then we we'll receive yeah and uh but but it starts with with my people. It starts with with me and with with you, and uh, that's, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, last question, if, if somebody would like to contact you, uh, what would be the best way to do that? They want to the, uh, the, the,
2: the best way that I just uh, here's an email address if you' ever and I'm not saying I have every answer, but an email address uh, aim, A-I-M dot ministries 23 at gmail.com. Aim. Ministries twenty-three at gmail.com. Our PayPal account is linked to that and and any donations is um, is fully tax deductible and we appreciate people's support and most of all we appreciate people's prayers. So please do keep us in your prayers and I appreciate the opportunity that you great men have afforded me today just to come alongside you and just speak about this because I know we're yeah. living in critical times. And we need to see God move now.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I know it's going to be a blessing. Uh, as we wrap this episode up, I, I'd just like to invite you to pray over the person that's listening right now. Uh, pray for pray for them and allow, that, that God would uh, stir a hunger for revival in their heart and their life.
2: I sure will. I sure will. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you're giving us right now. And Lord, there are people listening right now. It's not by happenstance, but by God's divine providence, you've brought them here. I simply come alongside them in prayer, Father, and I ask you, deal with us. Help us, O Lord. Let it begin in our own hearts. Let a holy desire raise up in our own lives. May we love that which is right. And God, may we hate that which is evil. May we reach out, God, with compassion to those that are lost. Father, I pray God stir within us that desire to seek you and seek you like never before. I pray for those that are listening. Give them ears like Samuel that they might hear your voice. Oh, Father, I pray let them see what men do not see. Let them hear what men do not hear. May they walk with you in your kingdom. May men listening right now make up their mind to simply take your hand and through prayer, Father, See history changed. I ask you to do this in the name of Jesus Christ, and
0: I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Questions of Faith podcast. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing and writing a review on your preferred audio platform. That would really help us out. This show was produced by Brad Stevens, theme music by the band Liquify. Questions of Faith is a ministry of Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God located in Denton, Texas. The goal of this podcast is to equip the modern-day Christian with answers to timeless questions. If you would like to submit a question that may be highlighted on the show, you may do so by emailing us. That email address is questions at ftdenton.com. You may also submit a question by messaging our Facebook page, Questions of Faith Podcast. And until next Monday, God bless.